you know, if you don't adapt to the modern game, to the trends in the game, to the trends in sports science, uh, you can see it all over the world of soccer right now. The, the, the old archaic ways of thinking uh, are getting squeezed out. Are there still some that are going to survive? For sure. And they'll still find way, different ways to get results. And, um, but ultimately, it's like anything, like any business, like any company, like any you know, uh, life cycle, if you don't adapt and adjust, uh, you're going to be dead. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Union Pitchside podcast. I am Adam Can in the host chair once again, producer AZ, buttons and knobs, keeping you tuned in, making sure you can hear what I have to say, hear everything that's going on in Union Land. We are coming to you on a Tuesday after the Union officially qualified for the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs. The Union are in, they're currently in fourth place. They still have a chance to catch New York City FC in third place. They are currently two points ahead of Columbus Crew. DC United is hanging back there with still four games to play. Could make a move up the standing. Still a lot in play in the Eastern Conference. But one thing that cannot happen is the Union cannot miss the playoffs because they are in. It's official. They have 50 points. The win over Minnesota was comprehensive uh, with Columbus defeating Montreal. Uh, now the the union are, are official officially a postseason team, and um, that's uh, that's pretty nice. Who they'll play is yet to be determined, but we will find out, and it will be exciting no matter what. That first game will probably be uh, either October thirty first or November first, so mark it out in your calendar right now. But what we're gonna do is start off this episode with a pitch side pod by going back in time a little bit to a period that was not so positive in Union land. I, I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. Open Cup because uh, the Union, again, another U.S. Open Cup final, uh, a disappointing defeat, a heartbreaking a heartbreaking loss. I was there live at the game in Houston, um, got in day of, uh, went to, to check it out, and, and it, it was rough. Uh, you know, I got to see all the players ahead of time. And then also, uh, I was on the plane flying back with the players after the game. And, and you know, I, I saw some, some comments afterwards saying, you know, I bet it's a pretty awkward flight back. I bet it's a, a pretty sad flight back. And so I just wanted to give a quick little description of what it's like to be with these guys who, who really care so much about, you know, putting on the Union jersey, as Jim Curtin says, wearing the badge. Just a little bit of insight for fans about what it's like for them after you know, such a such a tough loss where they fought so hard to get to that final. And then if you watch the match, you know, it just was one of those nights where nothing went right. The Union looked like they'd scored early. It was called back for offsides. The ref, Sagafi, allows a quick restart for Houston. They come down. Mauro Minota scores, has a great night. His second goal was incredible, um, a really difficult shot. Uh, and, and it was just a rough one for the union. And, and so I just wanted to give a little bit of description of what it was like. Um, so you, you can understand that sort of how difficult emotionally it was for these guys who, who then had to ramp it back up again for Columbus in just a few days time. So, so after the game, you know, so, some of the guys, uh, 
Ali Bedoya, the captain, of course. Um, Harris Madunian has to do some press. So, so they go in the locker room. Um, then they come out and, and have to stand there in front of the bright lights, answer all the questions, um, you know, until basically until people are done asking. Uh, you see all the other players slowly filter out of the locker room afterwards. It's uh, a somber thing, as you can imagine. And then back on the flight, we all went right to the plane afterwards and flew back that night so the players could get rested and ready for Columbus. And it is just a it's not awkward. It's not it's not overly negative. It's just very, uh, very quiet. Everyone is trying to process what has happened. Uh, you know, Jim Curtin said after the game, it, it was hard for him to go up on on the press stand and, and speak about it after another difficult loss. And that's really what you see is how professional these guys are in, in handling that difficult emotional toll. Uh, there, there wasn't rage. There, there was a, a bit of sadness, but mostly you saw guys who, who were just trying as best they could to process what had happened and, and put themselves in a mindset where they could come back out and compete again because they knew the playoffs were on the line. And, and you know, you're, you're never quite sure when you hear a coach like Curtin come on and say during the presser, you know, we just have to try and move past this. And, and I can just tell you being on that, that flight back, you saw a lot of guys who, who were doing their best to process what had happened and find a way to, to move on and still, you know, maximize what is a season where they knew they were right on the verge of the playoffs and they just had to perform to get in. And since that, that defeat, I think you've seen, uh, how professional they were and how they were able to bounce back, um, shut out Columbus at home. You start with uh, two young center backs, Austin Trusty, doing you know just incredible job to to bounce back after uh, scoring the own goal in Houston, coming back and getting a shutout next to Mark McKenzie in back, and then you know taking a week, take a breath, and come out and just really um, there's no other way to say it but pummel Minnesota United. Um, just from the opening whistle, uh, getting at them. Uh, Corey Book could have had a, a goal as early as the fifth minute. He didn't finish that one, but very quickly came back and uh, and got the opening goal of the game. And then Ali Bedoya, Fafa Pico, Fafa again, and then Ilsenio's incredible goal to to wrap it up. And and I think it should be noted if you want to know why Ilsenio ran over to the bench after he scored his goal and put on a uh, Union scarf and stood and faced the crowd. Uh, that was a callback to um, to Ilsenio's uh, comic book cover that was made for um, pediatric cancer awareness. Um, he was paired with, you know, a, a child who has pediatric cancer, and the, the child helped design a superhero and a sidekick, and the child becomes a superhero, and the player that they're paired with becomes a sidekick. And in the drawing of Ilsenio in, in his comic, He's wearing a scarf, and so uh, as a as sort of a, a recognition of the fight that the the um, Ilsenio's partner was going through, he put on the scarf, and um, and it was it was a very sweet gesture after a pretty stunning goal. So I, I just wanted to make sure that was clear for anyone that was wondering why why he did that, uh, and it was quite a, a return to the lineup for the, the Brazilian and, and pretty difficult to, for Minnesota to deal with after already being down four goals and then having to deal with a, a player who's a nightmare matchup one-on-one. Before we get into today's, to today's interview, which is with uh, Union head coach Jim Curtin, 
Um, we're going to cover a range of topics all about you know, what it feels like to make the playoffs. And also, uh, I'm going to ask him to give us a little bit of insight into what all the people that that help the head coach make sure the players are prepared each game, what all those people do. Uh, after the Minnesota win, Curtin thanked uh, a bunch of people who helped, all the assistant coaches, the owners, the entire technical staff, down to the sports psychologist. And I thought it would be interesting to pick his brain a little bit about what exactly all those people do to make sure the players are ready to go each game so that fans have a better sense of all the different preparation that goes into getting players to the point where they can compete. Because, you know, over the past three years, especially since uh, Ernie Stewart came in, joined the union, and now with Ernst Tanner in the fold, there, there's been a huge focus on innovation. And so there are some innovative things that these people behind the scenes do to help Curtin get everyone ready for game day. Uh, everyone from, uh, you know, the dietitian making sure that the players are eating right, to sports performance, to the assistants who who help uh, prep for set pieces and do the, the film study before each game. There's just a lot of people that, that have a hand in making sure players are ready and there's a lot of innovative stuff going on. So I'm going to ask Curtin to talk about that to you uh, today. And before we go into that, uh, I guess I, I want to talk a little bit about um, what we're going to go through after that, which is going to be um, a little bit of discussion on the GA Cup, which the union hosted at the Power Training Complex today. Um, so I'll give you a rundown of uh, what happened, some of the standout players, so you can get ready for the next wave of young union union talent. And, and we'll get to that right after my interview with union head coach, Jim Curtin. Playoff advisory, we're in. Your Philadelphia Union have clinched their spot in the 2018 MLS Cup playoffs and are in contention to host home games. If that's the case, we want to make sure that you, the fans, have access to the best seats in town. Single game tickets will go on sale October 10th. With our pay-as-you-play method, the best part is you don't have to pay anything until we finalize each and every home game of the playoffs. Again, single game tickets will go on sale October 10th. Be sure to secure your spot today. Anything can happen in the playoffs, and we fear no one. All right, I'm here with Union Head Coach Jim Curtin. Uh, we are talking after Philadelphia's victory over Minnesota United that secured them a spot in the MLS Cup playoffs in 2018. Uh, Jim, congratulations. And if uh, you wouldn't mind, give me, tell me how it feels to be back in the playoffs again after a one-year absence. Yeah, obviously a, a really big accomplishment for the club, uh, something that our, our fans deserve. I'm really happy that it happened at, at Talon Energy Stadium uh, to hit our, our 15th win of the season, to hit that 50-point plateau. Uh, that means you've, you've, you've hit a, a good number in our league, you know, uh, consistently over the years. Uh, while the rules always change and there's different met metrics and mechanisms that come uh, to come into our league and, and assemble a team, uh, 50 points has been a... A point total that uh, is a you know a good benchmark and, and shows that you've had a really good season. Unfortunately, we still have two more games left, two more very big games against two good opponents in New York Red Bull uh, and NYCFC. But uh, couldn't be happier with uh, the professionalism of our players, the execution they had on the field against Minnesota, uh, and it was nice to to celebrate in, in front of our home fans, especially with a pretty emphatic five to one victory. 
Yeah, and that uh, that five to one victory, like you said, gives you fifty points on the season, uh, locks in the playoff berth, and and. After the game, uh, in your post-match press conference, you spoke a bit about, um, you know, you always, you always thank the players and, and say, you know, the win, when you get a win, it's about the players putting forth the effort and executing the game plan. But you also spoke about a lot of the people who do work behind the scenes, starting from ownership uh, down to Ernst and Ernie before him, and uh, and a lot of the other people behind the scenes. Uh, Chris Albright, you mentioned, who, who, you know, did a lot to assemble the team that uh, now has the, the leading assist man in MLS. Um, so I thought today we could just go through some of these people who, um, you know, uh, support you, support the coaching staff, are part of the coaching staff, and uh, just help make sure the players are ready each and every day when they go out there. Um, so uh, I'll sort of let you lead if there's, if yeah. you want to start somewhere and, and give me a sort of breakdown of some of the people who sure. are behind the scenes. Yeah, this would be a long answer, <laughs> so uh, everyone can kind of bear with me, but because there's a lot of people that uh, do a lot of things uh, to make Sundays or Saturdays in the 90 minutes successful. So. Um, you know, it's kind of broken down in, into several different departments. There's a technical staff, uh, a performance department, an analytics and scouting department. Uh, we obviously have the Bethlehem Steel, uh, a really strong academy. Uh, we have our equipment guys, uh, and obviously Ernst uh, and Chris, who are, uh, play a big role in, in, in personnel and, uh, you know, the overall shape of, of the roster and the, and the club. Uh, you know, the guys I probably work with day in and day out the most would be our, our technical staff. Uh, the way we've kind of broken it down, uh, we have almost position-specific coaching that goes on. Obviously, the coaches are responsible for a lot during the week in terms of film, scouting, preparation. Uh, but they also each, uh, when we do break off and do individual work or, or positional work, uh, they kind of each have a, a clear uh, responsibility. Uh, for example, B.J. Callahan, uh, works a lot with our defensive group, uh, keeping them cohesive. Uh, Pat, Unit, Pat Noonan works uh, specifically with our midfielders, uh, their movement, their spacing. Uh, Dick Schroeder works a lot with our attacking three and our strikers. Uh, Tim Hanley uh, obviously works with the goalkeepers. So um, that's, I, I feel like soccer uh, is becoming more and more, there's being obviously first and foremost more coaches involved. Um, but also more uh, position specific. So uh, if you think of other sports, the NFL, uh, the NBA, uh, you think of an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, defensive backs coach, a running backs coach. It's, it's starting to shift that way. So I think it's important. Um, I think we've been ahead of the curve in that way and that we've uh, obviously the guys do a lot more than just that. But when there is a specific thing we need to work on, uh, the technical staff kind of breaks down uh, that way. Um, you move on to the, and again, I have a great one. You know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a group where I think that, you know, all the names I just named are, are guys that are capable of, of becoming head coaches in, in this league. So, can, uh, can I ask you really yeah. quick? Was there a specific point or reason that you guys decided to break things up that way? Was it just a, where people felt most comfortable, where they felt they could contribute the most? Because I know that everyone still uh, contributes on on both sides of the yeah. ball at every level. But a reason you sort of wanted some some clarity there? Yeah, I, I think that. It, it makes it easier. So even, for example, now when I go in at halftime of a game uh, and it, I lay down the, you know, maybe three initiatives that we want to adjust and change tactically or little tweaks here and there, and I stop talking, uh, sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative, depending on the performance, um, those players know exactly who to look for. So now the, the forwards will go to Dick for a couple little, you know, maybe 
more detailed reminders. Um, uh, you know, the defenders will look to BJ for their, their spacing as the back line stepping and dropping together. Uh, and then the midfielders will look f- to Pat. So it's clear for guys uh, who they're looking for in a, in a situation like that at halftime. Um, you know, it, and it leads to uh, just almost, a, yes, I have the a, a big voice over the entire group, but now when it breaks down and, and you want to get down to even little more things, whether they're positives or negatives, um, they can kind of go to those guys and there's a face to the, uh, to the position that they play. And I think it's comforting for a player. Uh, and it's important that we're all kind of uh, saying the same things and on the same page, which can be uh, complicated because everybody sees the game a little bit differently. You know, that's the beauty of soccer, you know. So um, sometimes when I uh, will give a, an attacking point, to, for example, to a CJ, I'm, I'm an old defender. So, you know, Dick has more of a, a mind yeah. and an eye for uh, what attacking players go through. Uh, Pat Noonan has been a uh, midfielder and a, you know, a goal scorer you know, for our country, uh, you know, and has had a great career. So he can kind of talk through those those moments. BJ's worked uh, with goalkeepers in the past and, and has a really great way with our defensive group and keeping them uh, dialed in for the 90 minutes. And there's a big reason why uh, we don't concede a lot of goals. So uh, I'm really proud of all the work that they do. Tim Hanley does a great job with Andre and growing his leadership this year. So uh, you have uh, four guys, like I mentioned, that uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have. I'm spoiled uh, in a lot of ways, and they make my job very easy. Yeah, and, and from from my perspective, those guys have all been extremely nice and patient with me coming in, sort of trying to you know siphon off all the knowledge you guys have and and uh, you know distribute it to the the fan base and explain sort of why things uh, happen the way they happen, what the what the long term plan is, what little adjustments happen during games. Um, everyone has been extremely kind and patient and hasn't made fun of me too much when I, when I make mistakes, although Tim makes fun of my watch a little bit. Well, you know your stuff, so that makes it easy. And then also, you know, we're an open club. Uh, that's the way we, that's our philosophy. That's what we believe in. Uh, we don't have all the answers. Uh, we, we take things and steal and, and tweak them and learn from other clubs, that they, things that they do. Uh, and we have a wealth of knowledge. You talk about Tim's been in this league now. Tim Hanley's been in this league since the, the inception. Uh, Dick brings a whole new uh, mindset from Europe. Uh, BJ is a guy that's been with me, you know, since the academy days, and uh, is incredibly, you know, a hard worker and and, and just a, an overall guy that I trust, uh, you know, and is has done a great job for us. And, and Pat comes in with new ideas as well, coming from the U.S. national team. So it's a good mix. It's a good blend. And and we've, you know, it's not always easy in a work environment to get it to to go perfectly smooth. But we've we've found a way that that works for us. Um, you know, like I said, the film room sessions are are good. Uh, the the banter that goes on between us before we finally spit out the the final eight minutes, which we like to keep it below eight minutes, just with the attention span of, of players these days and the uh, the touchscreen generation. Uh, a lot goes into just breaking it down into those eight minutes, and these guys spend hours and hours and hours uh, doing that. So, incredibly grateful and fortunate to have them. Yeah, and I, I've seen some of those longer scouts, and it, it is it does take a lot of work <laughs> yeah. to get it down to that eight minutes. That there's a lot of stuff to cover, and so uh, so going going beyond the technical staff, um, can, you, can you give me? Um, you mentioned a lot of names last Saturday night. Uh, can you give me some of these other people who are involved? Sure, uh, you have a, an entire performance department, which we're, we're very fortunate to have. Uh, you know, you talk about you know our our three main pillars. If you go back to that, you know, which were you know. Commitment to develop young players uh, through through the academy uh, and a real emphasis on the American player and their development. That would be pillar number one. You know, uh, pillar number two. Uh, you know, having 
a very cohesive uh, style of play and one where, you know, all 11 are on the same page and we think we can beat any group of stars uh, if the, the whole group's contributing in, in that regard. And then innovation is, is the third pillar. Um, and that's where a lot of our, our sports performance department deserves a ton of credit. Garrison Draper is the head of it. Um, young guy, progressive, open-minded, a guy I have a really good and open relationship with, um, you know, and, and he's in charge of kind of overseeing uh, things like the strength and conditioning department, the medical department, uh, the rehab department, uh, dietitian, uh, sports psychology, massage, Cairo. So uh, he's got a heck of a lot on his plate uh, that he has to deal with. Um, you know, I can go through names and uh, I won't do uh, it justice just to how important these guys are to the team. Everybody is, is uh, again, on the same page. And these guys are, you know, with the players in a lot of ways, a heck of a lot more than I am, you know, in the right. in the weight room, in the uh, the rehab room. Uh, there can be a lot of monotony and long hours to the day, and these guys do all the hard work behind the scenes. Uh, Matt Siniskalki, our, our strength and conditioning coach, uh, keeps things fresh uh, for, for our guys every day. Uh, they love coming to work, and Matt uh, pushes them very, very hard, but in a, in a really smart way, and he's been incredible with our athletes. Uh, Paulie Rushing and, and Steve Adema, uh, are the reason why we don't have uh, you look at the, the injury list at this time of the year and you see yeah. eight, nine, ten guys on, on certain teams and ours is uh, basically clean uh, and they've done a heck of a job keeping guys fresh, getting them back as quickly as possible uh, and again keeping positivity uh, within our group in the locker room Brad Papson, uh, a big part of that too with the rehab he does is in more in a, uh, you know individual sense and if we have a guy who uh, you know, maybe needs more time uh, and a little longer rehab. He uh, has been incredible about getting those guys back uh, on the field as quickly as possible. Because at the end of the day, when you're injured, it's it's a lonely time. It's a lonely feeling. And and Brad's done a great job keeping these guys going, uh, you know, after surgeries, after the bigger injuries uh, and, and gets them back to us uh, so we can get training on the field again quickly. Uh, Nairi, uh Nardarian has done a great job uh, from the University of Drexel, has come in and been our nutritionist and, and just gives the guys individual diet plans, uh, pushes or dra pushes the dragon drills in, in their, their recovery and the importance of that uh, and the amount of uh, time and effort that she puts in. She's a great, great asset to our club, uh, does incredible work with them and all the guys uh, trust her and, and, and are comfortable around her. Uh, Christina Fink in the sports psychology department, uh, you know, again, you talk about uh, a, vo a voice for me inside the in, inside the locker room. Certainly the players open up to her a heck of a lot more than they will to me. Uh, she has a great relationship with all of them. She has trust uh, with the players, and obviously she's someone I trust greatly. Uh, she does a ton of work, uh, not just with our athletes, but the Bethlehem Steel athletes, uh, the entire academy, uh, in, in teaching us how these players learn. Every player learns differently. We have a test called the AIQ test. That uh, is highly detailed and, and puts them uh, through a, a test on an iPad that's not a pass or fail test. It just teaches us how they learn. Do they learn uh, visually? Uh, how are they with spatial awareness and things happening around them? Uh, do they need to see it on video? Do they need to see it on the field through, you know, me going through the steps and showing them, uh, you know, are they, are they someone that just needs to hear it once out of my mouth and they pick it up? You know, each guy learns in a different way. Some pick things up quick, and, and she gives great insight into what these guys are going through on a daily basis, not just how they learn, but uh, believe it or not, these professional athletes have things that go on off the field. They have families. They have uh, grandparents that pass away. They have 
uh, emergencies that they have to deal with. Uh, and she's an incredible uh, person in, in having her finger on the pulse of just what the locker room needs at, at certain moments during the year. Uh, we have tons of massage therapists. There's a bunch of them, so I, I can't. I don't. I don't know them fully too well, but uh, our, our Cairo, Dr. Matthews, does a great job uh, getting guys back uh, as quickly as possible. I stay clear of those. Uh, stay clear. I, st- I try to stay out of the training room as much as possible because I don't want to become dependent on uh, on that kind of stuff. But uh, he, from everyone's account, he's he's the best in the business. So you know, Dr. Matthews does a great job. Um, Jay Cooney also is our responsible for our film, all of our filming, uh, and does an amazing job. Uh, the amount of time he saves us in terms of the olden days back when it was a VHS and the stop and play. Yeah. Uh, now Jay has it coded and broken down to a point where we touch a button and we have every touch from, you know, Keegan Rosenberry, for example, or every, and everybody has an iPad and they can individually go through, um, you know, the opponent that they're playing where that guy likes the ball. And that's a credit to Jay and the hard work that he does. Uh, again, not just for us, but the steal on the academy. So that was a a good chunk of the performance department. I hope I didn't miss anybody. You'll be emailing me or yelling at me one way or the other. But no, it's a great group. And, and again, to have them all on the same page uh, is important. You know, well, let me let me ask you a little bit about them, because I, I would imagine the the size of that department or the, the makeup of it, when you were a player, wasn't the same. It's, like <laughs> it was zero. Things. There was yeah. no. There was no department. <laughs> like, like, there, there've got to be some things there where you know you, you hear about them first, and you go like, "Is that is that really a big deal? Is that really something I need to spend time on? Yeah. Um, do I can I really trust like sort of the the science behind this?" And so, how do how do you as a coach sort of uh, like filter through um, you know what to take in, and then say, "All right, these are people who." are saying things that I can trust and I can, you know, I don't have to stew over it in my head and these aren't decisions that I need to, to spend my time on. Yeah, I think as a coach, you're you're nothing more than a teacher, really, if you really break it down. So you're always trying to gain new knowledge, uh, you know, and, and grow uh, and, and ask questions and, and learn different things. So uh, with sports science now and not just in, in soccer, but in, you know, in, in football and in basketball and in, in literally every sport now, uh, the importance of it is growing uh, rapidly. Uh, there's new ideas. Uh, you can take things from different uh, teams and experiences. And I think you always have to be pushing things and learning and be innovative and, and be open to new things. Uh, it used to be, you know, you'd have almost like a 45 minute warm up and we'd be slow and it would take us forever to get going. And nowadays these guys are like, you know, the, how dynamic the warm ups are. You know, the, the diet is completely changed and monitored in ways it wasn't. Um, our diets were uh, after a game were kind of Budweiser and probably chicken fingers. You know, now it's dialed down uh, to each individual uh, and recovery has become so important for the athlete. And coaches maybe hate to admit it now, but uh, what that sports performance department does with the sleep, with uh, the eating right, uh, is just as important as what we do on the field. Uh, you know, how they break the game down with the analytics that we have. It's It's grown in a way that uh, you know, I wasn't ready for, you know, I, I, we had people that worked their tails off in our organization in the Chicago fire when I played, uh, and achieve us when I played there, but, uh, nowhere near on the level of, of manpower, number one, and then just the intelligence of, uh, how the game has changed and, and the commitment to sports science and growing the game and making the, the players have them, you know, even if it's a half of 1% uh, advantage, you're looking for that right. at all times. And that's what they're doing. I mean, I, I guess I can see it from the outside as, as there's a there's a way that that could be threatening to a coach because, you know, I would think back in the day, it's 
you know, I have total control and I tell you how to, how to act, how to behave. And that's the way I did it. And now you're, you're basically saying, I, you know, I, I have a say in all this, but I have to take, you know, trust the word of a lot of these people who are experts in their field to make sure these players are ready for me when I put them on, on the pitch. You have to find the right people first and foremost, uh, because you do see now, um, you know, if you don't adapt to the modern game, to the trends in the game, to the trends in sports science, uh, you can see it all over the world of soccer right now. The the, the old archaic ways of thinking uh, are getting squeezed out. Are there still some that are going to survive? For sure. And they'll still find way, different ways to get results. And um, But ultimately, it's like anything, like any business, like any company, like any you know, uh, life cycle, if you don't adapt and adjust, uh, you're going to be dead. <laughs> so it's no different in this regard. So I think you have to keep an open frame of mind. Again, the, the people are the most important because you can talk about the smartest guy in the room all the time. But if he can't interact and speak with people and treat them the right way, he's useless. So I've experienced that a great deal in my in my time as a as a head coach. And uh, you have to have people that are, are good together and can lead uh, in a way that keeps everybody fighting and, and feeling important to the, the entire team dynamic. Yeah, and coming coming from academia, I've definitely met quite a few professors who can uh, <laughs> yeah. who can research. But then when you ask them to get out there and teach and communicate, yeah, uh, maybe it doesn't doesn't quite work yeah. out for them. Smartest um, guy in the room can be the biggest loser. I'll yeah, put it that way. yeah. <laughs> I, I like to think so since I've never been. So <laughs> me neither. <laughs> so so tell me a little bit. Uh, you, you touched on analytics there, and uh, I know there's some. Uh, yeah. You've got a couple guys doing analytics, and you've got. Um, You've got uh, them helping both you and helping uh, uh, Chris and Ernst uh, develop the roster. So can you talk a little about what they do? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, Dean Costales has joined us this year. He's a guy who, uh, you know, very intelligent, uh, big, big on numbers, uh, sees the game, uh, obviously has a soccer background, but also sees the game uh, from the uh, different, maybe a different perspective sometimes than than uh, the guys that are just almost with tunnel vision onto the what's what we see with our eyeballs. Uh, you know, you might not notice, for example, just how many balls Harris plays through the lines that break. You know, four and five guys uh, at a time, and the importance of that with our group. Or you might not notice how many balls Warren Craval or Derek Jones recovers in a certain amount of time. So he keeps us on our toes with that. Uh, it's extensive. It is so detailed and broken down. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, he's done great work for us in preparing us uh, for scouting the opponent, for scouting players, um, for monitoring our own players and exactly where they're at. Um, you know, and has been a really good addition. Uh, Kyle McCarthy, uh, along the same lines, has done a great job with the analytics and scouting. Uh, put together and is responsible for the the PUV number that we have, which is a. Uh, Philadelphia Union value. Uh, it puts uh, metrics on our own players at each position on the field uh, of the things that we see important as a club. Not what Toronto sees or the Galaxy or New England Revolution, but what the Union yeah. values as important on the field. Um, and it has been a really great tool for us in terms of our scouting and how we uh, not just scout an opponent, but how we actually, uh, you know, target players and, and say, you know, that's a guy in our league or that's a guy in the Colombian league that we uh, have as a real fit for us because his Philadelphia Union value checks out along with uh, the guys that we have on our current roster. Terry McFadden, also uh, another scout that we have um, that has been traveling the, the globe, uh, you know, searching for players uh, at all times. 
uh, stays busy. Uh, they have a lot of frequent flyer miles <laughs> between them. That whole department has a lot of uh, frequent flyer miles. So um, always looking, and it's a hard job in that you can look at a hundred players, and it might for everything to come down and it to make sense. And then you get into the contracts and all the different variables that go into it. It's for it to be a fit. It's probably maybe even more than one in a hundred, to be honest. So, um, it's a, uh, a difficult task, but one that needs a, a lot of credit for, for all the work that they do behind the scenes. And, and you can see some of that in the, in the roster this season. I think yeah. it's really interesting that, uh, to think back, uh, in terms of what the you know initial plan was and all the different Pieces. I think there. I think I added up, and there were five different wingers who have at least five starts this year. So yeah. you've been able to to plug in different guys because you sort of know what you're going to get out of them and know how they're going to change your style. Um, so is there is there anyone else? Uh, I guess you want to you want to mention um, yeah. before we wrap up. Well, Chris Albright. I mean, for for me, has done. Uh, and I mentioned it in the press conference, like you alluded to, an amazing job. Uh, the rules in our league to navigate them uh, is is incredible. Uh, to now piece together, uh, you know, getting the most bang for our buck out of each position, you know, finding two guys at each spot. Uh, you know, obviously Ernie uh, laid a good foundation and Chris has, has run with assembling a, a, an incredible roster for us. I think our strongest one, and it's shown on the field this year. Uh, you know, his name doesn't come up as much as it should, uh, but with the challenges uh, between, you know, scouting, budget, you know, uh, finding those diamonds in the rough, adding young players through, you know, our academy, when's the right time to sign guys. Uh, he's he's navigated a lot and he's done it in a, a quiet way behind the scenes and it is, is one of the best in our league at it. So uh, really happy for him. Uh, now Ernst obviously comes in and in, in the past few weeks and is, uh, has been a great addition too with a lot of new ideas in terms of how we approach things on the road, how we uh, want to press teams, uh, and that will be something that will continue to evolve uh, and grow. Real credit to him and that, um, you know, he came in in a way that didn't want to shake up and change everything right off the bat. But I, I can tell he has a lot of incredible new ideas that we can implement uh, as things in time go by. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to working with him. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's a, a lot of new ideas and tons of experience from from Europe. So. Uh, overall, that group has been been excellent. You know, it needs to be mentioned if we're talking about it, Bethlehem Steel and all the work that Brendan Burke and Stephen Hogan have done there uh, has been exceptional and has those guys ready to play and jump right into our games. Our equipment managers, Brandon Comiskey and Dan Nolan, the hardest workers in the whole club, those two, uh, and the best people, uh, two guys that uh, I want on my side if I'm going into a fight. I'll put it that way. Uh, uh, great guys have the finger on the pulse of the locker room. Uh, they know uh, everything that goes on in these in between these walls, and and two guys I'll be loyal to for the rest of my life. So uh, need to mention those guys. And then Josh Grosso, poor guy, is responsible for all of us keeping us all on the same page and getting us to the airport at times. So uh, it's an incredible staff, a lot of moving parts to it, um, and, and a lot of good people. And that's what it really comes down to. If you have good people, the culture can grow. Uh, we've created an environment where young players can come into and, and, and not just survive, but actually thrive. Uh, and it's shown this year on the field. So a lot of good things, a lot of things we can still work on and improve. Um, we have two games to chase and we want to get, if we win both games, we're guaranteed the third seed, which is pretty darn good, uh, pretty good achievement in a year where I would argue the Eastern Conference is the strongest it's been. So I'm really proud of the, the way the players have responded, but there's still work to do and we still need to grow and evolve as a club.
Yeah, and I think you especially look back at, at some of the preseason predictions and uh, three seed was not where, where <laughs> you were probably put, but it, you know, it's, it's always a crazy season in MLS. Yeah. And when you can, can sort of lock in a style, I think has been the, the message you've sent from the beginning and, and stick to that and get buy-in. And, you know, when you, when you say get buy-in, I think sometimes from the outside, it sounds like, you know, if these guys will listen to what I'm saying, and I, the list you just went over, you know, since I've been here, I've realized that buy-in means everyone on that list has to buy in and then pass on that message to everyone on the team so that they're getting a consistent message all the way down the line. And, and then you talk about uh, Ale in the locker room as well, embracing that and, and passing it on. And, and it, it seems to, to make a big difference. I mean, culture is something I had to study in grad school, and yeah. it's a hard thing to define. But, yeah. but you sort of know, know when there is a, a strong, coherent one around. Yes, I, I agree. And you learn in the, in the hardest moments for me, because, uh, again, it, it does get thrown around. And uh, trust me, I've listened to no less than, I would say, I'm not exaggerating either, 100 presentations on the word culture. And uh, I'd say 99 of them are complete. BS. Uh, so when you do find it and you get it right, uh, it just comes down to two things for me, trust and, and holding each other accountable. And that's what we have here right now. Uh, it's a strong group, uh, a good group uh, and one that, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of right now, but we still uh, have work to do and, and, and room to grow. And again, those, those three pillars, if we fall back on those and we actually believe them, uh, whether I'm here, whether I'm not here, whether, you know, 10 years from now, whether the, you know, the, there's there's then 10, 10 academy kids on the field at that point, whatever it might be, uh, as long as they believe in the American player, putting young guys on the field that are from Philly, uh, you know, uh, innovation and, and being progressive and having an open mind uh, and really sticking to a, putting a cohesive unit on the field. Uh, I think that there'll be nothing but success down the stretch. And that's interesting you mentioned that because I, I just went out and watched you know endless number of GA Cup games this weekend and yeah. uh, there were some some uh, union players on the U15s from Northeast Philly uh, yeah. out there uh, doing work. You can you can kind of tell they have they have that Northeast Philly edge to them. Yeah, and uh, and it's you know it, it's nice to see them coming through and continuing that tradition <laughs> that, that's already started here. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I'll just say a lot of the last names. I'm I'm very familiar with the parents, so <laughs> I, I know all those guys, and it's it is really cool to see. And and there's there's something for these kids now to look up to and and be proud of. You know, they they can look up to. Uh, our players on the field and in Talent Energy Stadium, they can aspire to be like them. And I've mentioned it before. I used to look up to, uh, you know, the Charles Barkley and, and Randall Cunningham and, and, and Rick Tockett here in the city and stuff and Iverson. So to, for these guys to now have soccer players to aspire to be like is is very powerful. Uh, the work we do at, at, at YSC Academy and, and in our academy is incredible. Um, and, and these kids. Uh, have an environment now where there's an opportunity for success. And, and I think it's it's sustainable success, too. And I think we can be a, a team that's in the playoffs, you know, consistently every year. Jim, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. This went longer than I expected. Right. but Thanks uh, for but having thanks. me, man. It was fun. Yeah, a lot of names and, and people that deserve a lot of credit here. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make sure they, they all got in there. So thank you so much because I know them too now. I don't want to think that <laughs> That's good. That's I have less good. say over them than you do. All right. <laughs> thanks, Jim. Thank you. Two thousand nineteen season ticket memberships are now on sale and you don't want to miss out on any of the action. Season ticket members receive exclusive access to union players, invitations to private member events, 
and major discounts on tickets, merchandise, and parking. Seats are on a first-come, first-served basis, so to get the best seats available for the 2019 season, please visit philadelphiaunion.com tickets. All right, that was Union head coach Jim Curtin making his uh, debut on the podcast, giving a little insight into all the different people who help uh, get the team ready for each match and all the different types of work that go into preparing the players and Curtin himself to send the team out in the field and uh, try to get a win, which um, the Union have done uh, a club record number of times this year. Okay, now let's talk briefly about the GA Cup, the Generation Adidas Cup. It is a tournament for U.S. Development Academy teams uh, at the U-17 level. This year, for the first time ever, it's also at the U-15 level. And the union hosted it at the Power Training Complex, the first half of it. So what happens is you have a bunch of different qualifying regions. And for uh, this sort of eastern seaboard region, um, the union hosted the first three games of regional qualifying. And the second three games will take place over President's Day weekend in January. And then the top two teams, uh, after all those matchups, go on to the championship division of the GA Cup uh, final, which is in Dallas, Texas, uh, later in the year. And so the rest of the teams still get to go. They go to the premier division. And what you do is you end up playing some of the best academies from around the country and also some international academies. And it gives players in the Union Academy a real chance to see where they're at and to test themselves against some of the uh, the best talent, not only in America, not only in North America, but uh, in the world. And so you you get a much better sense of what you need to work on and what um, you know great players around the globe uh, look like at that level. So the Union U15s and U17s competed this past weekend. Uh, they played on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. These are two very strong age groups for the Union. Uh, at the U17 level, you've got um, Selmir Mischik, who recently signed for Bethlehem Steel, so already on a professional contract. And the Union aren't the only one that will play uh, guys who've already signed professional contracts. You'll see a lot of uh, top-end MLS Academy talent who have already practiced, played, signed with the first team. If they're still eligible for GA Cup action, they are likely to get dropped down. So you saw some uh, some top talent from NYCFC get dropped down as well. And the U-17s also have guys who are playing for the uh, U.S. Boys National Team like Patrick Bohui, uh, Danny Flores, who just uh, joined the Union Academy this year, Dante Huckabee as well. Uh, so a lot of talent there. And um, it was it was a difficult start for the U-17s. They fell to NYCFC out, th- out of the gate. They played well. It, it was a strong back-and-forth game. But NYCFC's pressure w- was really uh, well-organized in this game. And so they, they avenged um, a regular season loss to the Union in the first weekend of the, the academy season. The Union U-17s defeated NYCFC, but uh, but in this case, they came up a little bit short. On day two, the 17s faced uh, New England Revolution. That was an incredible game, a back-and-forth match uh, that ended 3-3. Um, Miss Chick in that one hit a free kick to tie the match at three. Um, that is, it, it's just a really impressive free kick. He lifted it over the wall from a considerable distance and then just dropped it. The bottom dropped out of this free kick. Uh, into the top left corner of the goal to tie things up. Um, in that game, Danny Flores also hit a very long left-footed strike, 
and uh, Patrick Bohe opened the scoring in that one. So so a lot of the the top talent from the the team got on the scoreboard, and that one went to penalty kicks, and uh, the Union won that one in penalty kicks when uh, right at the end, um, New England hit the crossbar, I believe it was on the eighth penalty. Uh, and then on Monday, day three, the Union U-17s faced uh, Orlando, and this was this was really a game where you could tell that everyone had been playing uh, a lot of minutes. The Union got a goal early in the second half and ground out the victory uh, 2-0. It was uh, Bohui again getting the opener, and then right at the end, uh, Tian Shen Yang uh, came in and uh, finished off the match with, with a nice individual effort where he cut in from the right and finished near post. And so that that gave the Union five points. You, you get two points for a shootout win, one point for a shootout loss in the GA Cup. So uh, three for a win, of course. So, so five points total going into the second half of GA Cup regional qualifying. And luckily, it's a, it's a long tournament, lots of time to make up any ground. The Union will face the likes of uh, Red Bull, DC, and Atlanta in the back half of this one. And then for the U15s, the U15s, another extremely strong group. You've got guys in the middle like Quinn Sullivan, just a very good all-event round player. Um, Brandon Craig, who's already playing for the U.S. Boys National Team at right back. And, and he's a guy where if you ever want to see just someone who can hit an incredible free kick, Craig from, from set pieces anywhere on the field is a threat. Um, opening weekend of the season against NYCFC, he scored two free kicks in in, uh, in this entire weekend. He was serving balls in that, that just made it really difficult for teams to handle the U15s. They scored on a couple corners, and that was all uh, all Craig's doing. So so just a really strong performer at right back. And up front for the U15s, you have a striker named Nelson Pierre. Him and Craig are both playing up a year. Uh, Nelson Pierre, just a, a monster athlete and, and very confident, very scary for defenders. For both NYCFC and New England, they had absolutely no answer. He scored a brace against both teams. A very impressive player, and uh, you can expect to hear more from him in the coming years as he continues to make his mark on uh, not just uh, you know local soccer, but uh, I would imagine the national scene. So that that's another name to keep in mind if you ever get a chance to go out to academy games. Uh, he he's also someone to watch. And the U15s uh, took eight out of nine total points from the weekend. Um, they. Uh, won the first game over NYCFC. Uh, they ran out to a 5-0 win. Then in the second game, they uh, faced New England, of course. And once again, it, it was just uh, difficult for New England to keep up. Pierre, again, had two goals in that one. Um, uh, center back Sam Fenton and Million Evans, uh, the left winger, both really strong games again. And then day three, day three, you saw a really difficult matchup against Orlando City. And in this one, uh, finally, the U15s gave up a goal and then they gave up another and they actually were down 2-1 late. Pierre charged after a long ball and ran it down and uh, the Orlando City goalie fouled him, earning a penalty kick that Quinn Sullivan dispatched with ease, sending the game to penalty kicks. And in penalties, the Union came out victorious. Really funny moment in this one when uh, Philly center back Jackson Gilman thought that he had ended the the penalties and uh sorry to call you out in this jackson but he uh he wheeled off in celebration after hitting his penalty and uh, it turned out that no orlando city still had another chance to uh to score luckily uh luckily that uh that shot 
missed. And so the union uh, ended up winning and they took uh, eight total points. And that sets them uh, well on their way to qualifying uh, at the top of their group when they uh, play the rest of these games over President's Day weekend. Okay, so that's a little insight into the GA Cup. That's the end of this Pitchside podcast. If you have any questions, remember to email pitchsidepodcast at philadelphiaunion.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Adam T. Can. That's at Adam T. Can. If you can find producer AZ, go ahead and give him a follow too. I'm sure he won't mind. Uh, he takes some some great photos uh, at games as well. So uh, you'll get a lot of uh, unique shots from him. Uh, you didn't know I was going to I was going to pump your tires there, Producer AZ, but uh, I'm doing it anyways. And again, any questions, anything you want us to cover, we are responding to you on this podcast. So shoot me an email. Let me know. Some of the topics we've already covered have been from listener requests, and we're going to keep doing that over the offseason. Keep checking in every two weeks on a Tuesday. We will keep releasing more of these pods. Again, for the Pitchside Podcast and everyone here at the Philadelphia Union, I am Adam Can. And we have clinched a playoff berth. Catch us again in two weeks. 